My deepest desire this morning is that I will, by teaching today and by the Holy Spirit's supernatural ministry to you, will stir up a hunger in you for the presence of God that is at least increasing for the hunger you already have. Or maybe you just have had water doused on you and you just don't feel that hunger for God anymore. And I am praying today, I'm believing today that hunger for God is going to increase in you. I'm telling you, it's going to touch a place in you that nothing else touches. And I know many of you know that. So let's just get to it. Amen. Last week I came off my break and if you uh, did not see uh, the message, watch online or listen online, I really encourage you to do it because it wasn't just a teaching, which is fine to feed the sheep as Jesus has commanded uh, shepherds to do, but it was a prophetic word for us as a body. And I have been calling out to the Lord for the last month, six weeks for um, an unapologetic outpouring of his spirit and an increase of his presence and a multiplication of his miracles among us, in us, on us, and through us. And the way that he responded to me was shocking. And I told that story last week, so you have to watch or listen to last week's message to hear how the Lord responded to that. Uh, but what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about the pathway into these kind of divine encounters. You know, the world is lost. You know that, right? You and I were lost before we came to Christ. And we try to, we try to figure out the meaning of life. We try to um, accomplish significance in life. We try relationships and careers. We try uh, education and wealth. We try entertainment. We try everything we possibly can because we were put here for a purpose, for a reason, and we know it. But disconnected from God and or disconnected from the presence of God will create this continual gnawing deep inside of us that will never be satisfied until we connect or reconnect with his presence. And I don't mean just when we gather together. I mean you as a man or a woman walking every day of your life, wherever you go with a deep confidence The Lord is with me. Whom shall I fear? (laughs) Yeah. And that's when, that's when, that is when the sense of purpose and power and destiny are so strong on you. I want to read to you a scripture, Psalm 16, verse 8 and 9. This Psalm, Psalm 16, uh, verse 11, is a very common scripture for many of us which is in his presence is the fullness of joy but the whole psalm has become my new fave in fact i'm i'm memorizing this this whole psalm and i love verse eight the verse uh, eight and nine look at this in the new living translation will you read this out loud with me i know the lord is always with me can we just stop right there now that knowing isn't just head knowledge it is experiential it's tangible It's an awareness. You know that song, make us more aware of your presence? That is what I'm praying for you. That is what I'm believing for you. When you're at your desk at work, 
when you're teaching your class, when you're welding, when you're working on the construction site, when you're at home uh, taking care of your children, when you're doing the dishes, it doesn't matter. Wherever you go, to have this deep confidence and sense of awareness of his presence changes your life, it changes you, and it changes the people you come into contact with. And that's not just good preaching. That is what we are to do. We are to experience the presence and we are to take the presence with us everywhere we go. The Bible says that we are the fragrance of Christ to those who are perishing and to those who are being saved. Let's read this again. Let's start over. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. No wonder my heart is glad. and I, No wonder. Because I know the Lord is always with me. He's right by my side. Look at Psalm, 120, look at Psalm 27. Again, this is about the presence of God. And then we're going to jump into Exodus 33, where we're going to look at God and Moses and the dynamic relationship they had. It's the same relationship that's available to every one of you Everyone watching, everyone listening, everyone on the planet, it's available to whoever wants it. But look at David, another person who is so aware of God's presence in his life. Look what he says in Psalm 27. The Lord, I'm going to read it from from here. Hang on, let me get there with you. It's Old Testament, right? Now, now focus on how he's so aware of the presence of God in his life, his relationship with the Lord, how tight he is with him. And look, what, look how it influences his attitude and his confidence. Verse 21, the Lord, everybody say the Lord. Not my spouse, not my kids, not my boss, not my best friends, not my substance. The Lord is my light. And my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord. Everybody say the Lord. Is the strength of my life. This isn't just poetry. This is coming out of him. This is a reality to him. Is it a reality to you? Can you say that with tremendous confidence as you're walking into the place of work? Or into your classroom? Or into your family room. Or into your bedroom. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came up against me, I freaked out. And I couldn't sleep at night. I was having panic attacks. Is that what he says? Okay. But that's many of our experiences. Because we live on the earth. We're not perfect. Life is hard. But when we're connected to the presence of God, look at this. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, in this I will be confident. Okay, here we go. Here's the pathway. You ready? How do you get get there from here? Verse 4. One thing, everybody say one thing. 
the most important thing in my life, he's saying. This priority above all priorities, this one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. See, that's, that's the door that you walk through to experience the things he's talking about. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That is the presence of God. All the days of my life, not just Sunday mornings when I come together with my family at church. To behold the beauty of the Lord. To see it. And to inquire in his temple. That's prayer. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, his presence. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. What confidence. And now my head shall be. Look at him prophesying. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will praise. I will sing praises to the Lord. See, when you come to church and you don't have this encounter you don't have this seeking this one thing i desire when you're not developing this friendship with god throughout the week you come to church it takes half the time of worship just to get warmed up and reconnect again and again this isn't about being a good person or a bad person this is just the reality of being able to live with this kind of confidence and joy and power and expectation and faith and and you walk in here man just ready to go Imagine a whole congregation in that spiritual condition. Imagine hell just trembling with fear and intimidation. I was having a Bible study with my 14-year-old, one of my three 14-year-olds yesterday, Josiah. And uh, we were talking about the magicians and the sorcerers and the astrologers and, you know, of, uh, of Babylon, you know, and... The, the demonic, he said, is that stuff real? I said, oh yeah, it's real. He said, are there really other gods? I said, well, they're demons, you know. They pretend to be gods, but they're just demons. He goes, oh my gosh, that scares me. And I looked at him and I said, don't you ever say that to me again. He's looking at me like, now he's more afraid of me than the demons, right? I said, <laughs> I said one of the biggest pet peeves I have, son, is Christians who are afraid of demons. I said, they are afraid of you, Jack, if you know who you are. I said, so we're doing a different Bible study now. And so we flipped over to Luke. I said, go to Luke chapter 10. The disciples came back and said, even the demons obey us when we use your name. He got a good Bible study. Verse 7, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face. My heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. When you study out God's presence in the Bible, again, I want to make you hungry for his presence today. When you study out his presence in the Bible, it's just amazing what his presence does in our lives. It's like this dog, Petty, named after Tom Petty, after one of his songs, I will not back down. I won't back down, right? You know that song? Sounded just like him, didn't it? Wasn't that impressive? Petty. My wife, once she went through cancer twice and she faced death and then she came back to life, she, this empathy broke up inside of her. You thought, I thought she, I thought there was enough already, you know, adopting special needs children and getting her PhD in, in uh, public health so that she can be an epidemiologist and 
go to the third world countries and, and, and help, you know, prevent uh, uh, preventable diseases and third world children and epidemics and pandemics. I mean, it's like, okay, enough. All right, great. Okay. No, she has to have more compassion now. And this, this empathy for animals now has broke open inside of her. And it's insane. She wanted a pig. And I said, no. Now she, then she wanted a dog that was dying of breast cancer. I said, no. And I'm getting this mute. I have this mutiny at home. The only child that's on my side is Bella. She's like, I'm moving out. If we have one more animal, move in here. So she said, I said, I'm, me too, man. We're getting an apartment. And so then yesterday, she took some of the kids to go to a dog shelter or someplace, a rescue center, and I don't know what it was, and, and, she, and, and this dog, Petty, who doesn't have back legs, or back legs don't work, couldn't walk, so she's waiting on a cart. She's going to be a dog that has a cart. You ever seen one of those dogs that have a cart with wheels in the back, and it gets around like this, and it has a cart behind it? So, so Petty is this tiny little miniature chihuahua, and it's... It lays on the ground, and all these other dogs just run all over it and trample on it, and it's just timid and scared, and it gets dominated and overwhelmed. So, of course, Hope goes for Petty. Picks Petty up, puts Petty in her lap. And then the other dogs started coming near Hope to be loved on too. You know what Petty did? Where did Petty get that new boldness from? Talk to me, huh? Sitting in Hope's lap. When you are close to God, you do not fear man. You do not fear life. You don't fear circumstances, and you certainly don't fear the devil. You're like petty. <laughs> just turn to the person next to you and go, <laughs> just go ahead, give it to them. When you study out God's word on his presence, you find that God's word gives you victory. God's presence gives you victory. At your presence, my enemies fall back. You find that his presence gives you prosperity. It says that well, every time you see the phrase, I am with you in the Bible, it always means we're going to kick butt. Study that out, that phrase, I am with you. Every time somebody's trembling and afraid, God responds, I am with you. And God says that to you. I am with you to the ends of the earth. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So when we, are, when we lack trust, when we're anxious and fretful and worried, that's nothing more than a sign of a lack of trust. That God is going to give me the wisdom I need and the time I need it. The decisions I need to make, God's going to give me wisdom. And he's, he's, God's got all the wisdom. He knows my path. He knows my life. He knows my future. Anxiety is a lack of trust. And I'm preaching to myself just like you because we're all living on the same planet. We're all human. We're, all of us are imperfect. Also, it says that God's not going to give me the strength I need to face tomorrow. That's just a lack of trust. But when we experience an increase of awareness of God's presence. It brings peace. It's the fullness of joy. And deeper and more importantly than anything else, it is our identity. Our sense of being children of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, 
sons and daughters of the Most High. Who I am, my significance, my worth, my value, what I can accomplish, I can do all things through Christ who is strengthening me. The whole thing changes as the awareness of His presence increases. So now last week, I was talking to you about how God met me in the marketplace with His divine encounter. The way He responded to me as a cry for more of His presence was not in church. Though we will experience more and more in church. We're going to experience more today as we go into communion. We start praying for for you, And as we go back into worship in a little bit, we're going to experience an increase of His presence and manifestations of His Spirit because the healing is the children's bread. Miracles, uh, the gifts of the Spirit are given to the body of Christ, to us, for the edification of the body. The gifts of healing, the gifts of prophecy, the working of miracles, the gifts of faith, pro- uh, the wor- gifts of wisdom, words of wisdom. All these things are ours. They're our inheritance in the kingdom of God. That's just how we roll. But God wants this taken outside of the house to a lost and hurting and dying and suffering and confused world. You remember when the Bible says, I was meditating this last night at midnight. I got the Bible in my chest and I'm just reading this passage. Jesus went from every, to every city and every village. Jesus, the Son of God, went to every city and every village. You rarely see him in the temple in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, you rarely see them in the temple. You see Jesus in the marketplace all the time. That's where the gospel is needed. Certainly we get to experience his presence. Certainly we want more of him. You see me up here leading the charge. But my goodness, as I said last week, God has not called us to be a lake, but a river. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47... There's this image that this Holy Spirit shows Ezekiel where water was flowing from underneath the house of God. It was flowing from the temple, from the throne, or from the mercy seat, from the center of the house of God, the holy presence of God. This river, this water representing the Holy Spirit is flowing out of the house of God. And do you know what is very interesting to me? You know, we always think that we're going to go to the house of God to experience the fullness and the most intense measures of God's presence. But do you know what it says in the book of Ezekiel, what what the Holy Spirit showed Ezekiel, the prophet in Ezekiel 47? I don't know if you've seen this before. I I saw that one time and I thought, oh my gosh. The farther away the water got from church, the deeper it got. It didn't start shallow out at, at, on the construction site and then get deeper as you get closer to church. Just the opposite happened. It began at church or in the presence of God or in your own personal life, in your prayer time, alone with the Word of God, alone with the Lord. The water begins there. But the farther you get away from church, from your devotional, and the closer you get to people who are the most thirsty the more the Holy Spirit shows up. Come on. Come on. Bella and I took our blind dog on a walk yesterday at about 116 degree heat up in Ramona a couple days ago. And I mean, he barely made it, man. By the time he got home, he was limping, his tongue's out like this. He went straight for the water bowl, man. 
came, he laid down, just fell on the tile, and he got up and went back to the water bowl. <laughs> fell on the tile, and then he went back to the water bowl. <laughs> right? The ones who are the most thirsty are the ones who need the most water. If you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, are the most thirsty and the most hungry, there's something wrong with our relationship with the Lord. Jesus said, come to me and you'll never thirst again. I'm curious about that passage, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. I know you quoted this morning, Joshua, but just let your pastor do a little possible correction this morning. I don't know, you tell me what you think about this. I taught him this once before. I think once you come to the Lord, we shouldn't be the thirsty ones or the hungry ones. Now, we can desire more of the Lord, but I think he's talking about people who have not yet come into the kingdom. I don't think poor in spirit is supposed to be our state after we come. I think the poor in spirit inherit the kingdom of God. And now we've inherited the kingdom of God. And now we're feeding. Now we're giving out the water and the food to the thirsty and the hungry. So I got these neighbors that uh, live behind me. And she, uh, I've been building rapport with her and with his, her, her husband. And this is so important, family of God. You've got to build rapport the best you can with the people you live next to, the, the, the people that you work with. See, that's your oikos. That's your harvest field. I know it's much more comfortable for us just to live our lives, head down, do what I got to do. I'm under stress. I'm under pressure. And in the meantime, there's this thirsty, dying, hungry, suffering humanity all around us. But I don't got time for them because I'm busy and I'm working and I'm stressed and I got my thing to do. And then, we, and then we come home and then we close the door, we close the garage door, and we're in our little cubicle, right? And then we turn on the TV, we get on our phone, we do our work, whatever, and then we get up and we go back to work and we just do what we have to do. But all the while, we're in the ark, we're saved, we're going to heaven. But there's a mass of humanity all around us. And what did Jesus say he came to do? The Son of God came to seek and save. So that's what's on his mind. That's what I was going to say a moment ago. So... After I am seeking God like this, and God gives me this encounter, I'll tell you about my neighbors in a moment. God gives me this encounter with the gal of super because it was cutting my hair. I didn't know about this, but the Lord is speaking to my wife at the exact same time. Now, Hope and I are the spiritual leaders of this spiritual congregation, so you have to understand what's happening to us is for us, the church. What happens to Hope and I is for us as a spiritual community, and then we all walk together, and then God does things through you and then you become catalysts in this spiritual community and then we're all seeking God together and then God's doing all sorts of things through all of us and all of a sudden bam I mean you can't contain the, or even record the amount of activity that's going on in the body once everybody is spiritually activated but one of the main ways you get spiritually activated is not just by seeking God for yourself but is seeking God for the lost that's where you're going to see God amp up his divine activity and measures you will never see in church. And so, in the same week that God gives me this encounter at Supercuts, God gives Hope a dream, which I mentioned last week, so I won't go into it again, except for to tell those who didn't hear. She was walking out the front door, and there was a shelf with a whole bunch of um, Tupperware uh, containers, real tiny ones, with oil in them. And she knew she was supposed to take one on her way out the door. Obviously, the oil meaning the Holy Spirit, the gospel, the good news, the presence of God, the gifts of the Spirit, the love of God, taking it with her as she walks out the door. And there's a whole bunch of containers to take every day. You take a new, you're taking the Holy Spirit with you where you go. 
So I've been really seeking God desperately for more of him. I don't, want, I don't want church as usual. I don't want my life as usual. I want my kids to have encounters. I want my neighbors to have encounters. I want you to have encounters. I don't like seeing you suffer. I don't like seeing sickness and disease remaining in the kingdom of God. What is that? It says that Jesus healed every sickness and every disease among the people. That's the watermark we're contending for. We won't bat a thousand, but I'm telling you, I'm swinging. Will you swing with me? And so I, re- I build rapport with all of my neighbors as I walk my dog. I stop and I talk with them because I know that this bridge I'm building with them, just being kind and building a rapport, that's why I'm so careful about my interactions with anybody uh, because if one day I have an opportunity to share Christ with them, my testimony is is damaged by my attitude and my speech and my behavior with them. And so, uh, you know, your, your influence for God is the most precious thing you have because he reaches people through you. We're it. We're all he's got. <laughs> I mean, we're his ambassadors on earth. He's in heaven and we are in his ambassadors on earth. We're the salt and light of the world. We got to live at a higher level of the character of Christ and kindness and forgiveness and reconciliation and taking the high road and not returning evil with evil, return evil with good, love your enemies, pray for them. That's who we are. That's the cut above. And so uh, my neighbors, you know, you know, she's full on into new age and that can be so intimidating, Right? Because it's all weird and you use the same lingo and, and, but you know, they're just not, you know, you know, I'm not into organized religion and I think Jesus was just a historical figure and the universe is God and, you know, got the beads and the books and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and she's just, and, and, and so I thought, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to build a rapport with my neighbor. I'm just going to love on her and, and just laugh with her and just let her drop 1400 F-bombs on me in every conversation we have. And, 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 uh. You know, just I was doing that before I was saved. I mean, come on. And, uh, and so then, you know, the moment came where she needed help building her fence because her husband, who's a police officer, was at work and they needed to build this fence for their, for their dog pen, you know. And, and so I said, oh, I'll absolutely help you. So I went back there and, and I'm helping build the fence and, and then we got to talking. Well, come to find out that she had a a horrendous experience in church growing up as a kid. Abuse and all sorts of stuff. And and then God wasn't there for her in her time of need and time of danger. And and so I'm just letting her pour it all out, right? And And so I'm starting to see, okay, so what's going on here is she believes in him, but she does not want to get close to him. So new age is safer. You see, instead of condemning and judging people who are worshiping the stars or whatever they're worshiping other than God, you know, they can feel that. They can sense that, that disapproval. And I'm telling you, it doesn't attract them to the gospel. When you and I have this this superiority thing, this self-righteousness thing, this condemnation thing, this you're dirty and I'm clean thing, they feel it, they sense it, they know it. 
They were so attracted to Jesus and he was holier than all of us put together times a billion. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? He was squeaky clean. But the worst of sinners loved being with him. What? What do you think the difference was? One word. Love. So I'm just loving her. And so they get into the situation where they're going to get kicked off their property. They just moved there. They have a dog rescue thing. And one of their neighbors is harassing the heck out of them, harassing them, calling the police, calling the city, calling the planning commission, trying to get them kicked off the property. Like that's their agenda. I don't know if they hate them. I don't know if they don't like interracial couples or if they don't like dog rescue people or they just don't want somebody living on this lot that was empty next to them. I don't know what burrs in their saddle but they are just going after them and this couple needed thousands of dollars within 30 days to pay off the permit they um needed uh to, to pay their melarus they they had 30 days and it was impossible for them impossible for them they were so discouraged they just moved all the way from hamul all the way up uh, to ramona because of another situation they were in the husband is so angry, he's starting to act out. He's 6'5", 300 and some pound police officer, and he's just really starting to feel, you know, rage. And I've talked to him a number of times, and she's, she's just, she was depressed, despondent. I met him at their lowest point, but you see, I built that relational bridge with him. Okay, here's my point of telling you this whole story. Because I've been seeking God. When they told me that story, this boldness rose up in me. I know God is with me. I know he's by my side. Whom shall I fear? But it's not just for me. It's for them. And I said to her, all right, let me tell you both something. I'm standing in their empty lot, and they got this trailer they're living with, a compressor unit, right? They can't build their house yet. And here I am as a Christian neighbor next to them. Now's the moment. This is it. I don't want to pray some nice, comforting, cute prayer. I want to bring heaven on earth for them. So I said to them, okay, listen to me. I'm going to pray. And God is going to get you the money. God is going to get you the permits that you need. God's going to shut that neighbor down. And you guys are staying here. This is where you're going to live. And you're going to see that God, your father, and I looked right at her, loves you. And he's providing for you. Then I turned around, walked home, went to my bedroom, closed the door, got on my knees, and I said, oh, God. <laughs> I did. I said, oh, my God. <laughs> I said, you're, you're up. You're up. <laughs> what I did. I said, I put your reputation on the line. And I started praying for them, and I fasted for them. I went back there last week. said, how are things going? Well, she already texted me. It all came through for them. <laughs> yeah. This is the kind of boldness you experience when you spend time Seeking the presence of God, this sense of awareness and boldness comes on you. 
We're starting high school again. I got three high schoolers. And uh, the principal, uh, he's a Mormon. And um, I'm just thinking about, man, that's, that's a heavy job, man. It's a heavy burden. So I called, I called up his office. I said, I'd like to have a meeting with the principal. So I went in and saw him last week. And uh, walked in his office, and he said, Mr. Ettore, what can I do for you? And usually, of course, parents want to come in and complain. And I came in, I sat down, I said, I just wanted to ask you um, how I can be a blessing to you as a parent of three kids that are going to be in your college campus. What, you know, what can I do to help you? And you could just see the look on his face. It was like he just, the defenses came down, right? And then he told me a couple of things that would really help, you know, as a parent. And I said, okay, now how can I pray for you? And again, I don't know how many Christians are going to the principal of a public high school making an appointment to say, how can I pray for you? But you can do that. You see, these are the opportunities that we can create, just building bridges and bringing the kingdom. Then I said, okay, let me pray for you right there in the principal's office. I want to pray for you. And the windows, you know, he's got a window and there's a secretary sitting right there. You know, she can look in and see. And I said, are you comfortable with this? And he said, "Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, okay. So I said, great. I just started praying for him, man. I started seeing him on campus. I started seeing, I said, God's with you. God's going to bless you. God's going to, I'm just praying and praying and praying. I got done and there was this total silence. And I didn't know what was going on. It was total silence. Finally, after kind of, what it felt like when I looked, I opened my eyes and he was like, he was gone, man. He was just gone. Eyes closed, head down. And he's like, God, I'm thinking, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh no, another super cut is about to happen, man. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. But I actually, I actually interrupted his encounter. I could tell he was like blinking and it took him back. I said, you want to pray? You see, rather than going in there and rebuking him for being a Mormon or something, or I don't know what kind of weird thing you could do as a Christian and ostracize and distance him, it's like, hey, man, just meet them where they're at. Let's pray together. Now he knows he's got an advocate on campus, a parent who's got his back. But I said, I've built this rapport with him over time because I'll see him on campus. I walk right up to him and say, I just really appreciate your leadership on this campus for my kids. It's a hard job, and I really appreciate the things you're doing, you know. And I point out a couple things. He says, I really appreciate you saying that. See, it's building rapport with people so that you can have moments of encounter. Man, I cannot believe I've used up almost all my time and haven't gotten even close to where I want, all I wanted to say and do. But I think, I think I'm saying and doing it, huh? My neighbor Sherry texted me, led her to the Lord a little while back. You just got to take risks. Got to take risks. I'm so proud of Dara Lee, Josh's wife. Because last week I was talking about the way you experience divine encounters is you've got to take risks. That's where God will meet you. Like a super cousin, I laid hands on the gal cutting my hair. Like the principal. Like my neighbor's. This is where God will show up when you take these risks. So Dara Lee said she, her and her dad hadn't talked like in seven years, and it's just a real bad situation. The last time she talked to him about Jesus, uh, he just yelled at her. So don't talk to me about your Jesus. And she's like, I was just telling you about my life, Dad. So 
he just he contracted cancer and he called her and she was on the phone and she thought this is the moment this is the moment of risk do I dare bring up Jesus again and pray for him and get rebuked by my dad you know or do I just go for it and she just went for it and she prayed for her dad and she said it was powerful and that his response to her was completely different Gary and Kathy said they were up in Colorado last week and there were three people and their family, family members, right? Are they all family members? And these three different groups of people in their family, all three have been not only uh, closed off to the gospel, but adamantly closed off to the gospel to the point where they've been, I don't know, what would you say? What's the word you would say? Angry? Uh, belligerent. Don't preach to us. Well, they were up there just last week, and he said they had an opportunity to minister to all three of these family members, and all of them were receptive to the gospel. Yeah. But you see, they had to take a risk. They're the messengers. You're the messengers of the gospel. I'm going to ask the ushers to... uh, begin to pass out communion and I'm going to have, we're going to take communion in our seats here because I want us all to take communion together at the same time as a sign of unity and as a cry to God will you, will you repeat this with me because we're driving a spiritual stake in the ground here this morning I want us to say God we want you here and God We want you there. And the there is wherever your there is. Will you say that with me? Do you want that? Do you want more of God here? Do you want more of God there? I'm not talking about you going to work and jumping up on the cafeteria table and preaching like Peter on the day of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit comes upon you, go for it. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the opportunity presents itself that you take a risk. Otherwise, God will never show up. And the water's deeper out there. Will you say this with me? God, we want you here. And we want you there. Will you say it again with me? Say, God... We want you here. And we want you there. Now I'm going to ask you to say it one more time, but I want you to think about it. I want you to dial down and dial in. I don't want you just parroting this. I want it to come. It's got to come from the inside of your soul, not mine. It's got to come from the inside of you to God. Your voice to God's ears. He's listening. And He will respond. Do you really want more of God's presence in your life and in your church? And do you really want more of God's presence wherever you go? And are you willing to take risks wherever you go? Now let's say this to him again. God, we want you here. And we want you there. God's listening, and God loves this.
I want us to go to the book of uh, Exodus, chapter 33, as the communion is being passed out. We were going to read like the majority of Exodus 33, and I was going to teach into it. But that didn't happen. But I'm going to read a little bit because I want to set us up for this communion. And part of the communion, before we receive it, is going to be a moment of repentance. But I want, I want you to see something here, and it's so important that you see it so that you can go home and you can do this. You can deal with yourself. And then you can break into a whole new depth and level of friendship with God. It's going to soothe your soul. It's going to increase your joy. You're going to live with such confidence. You're going to take greater risks because it's worth it. So I want to set this up and I'm going to read a little bit. And then we're going to repent. And then we're going to experience His presence. So God wants to be with his people. He always has. That's why he created us. He wants to be with you. That's why life doesn't work and your soul's not happy apart from him. Moses goes up on a mountain to meet with God and God's going to give them the ethics to live by, to live a happy life, which are the Ten Commandments. That's, you know, this is how life actually works well is the Ten Commandments. So he go, he's gone. He's gone for 40 days. Well, they get impatient waiting on God. And so they trade in their relationship with God for a cow. When my son Josiah and I read this, he looked at me and said, man, people will worship anything. I said, yeah, we will. You see, you and I are designed by God to worship something beyond ourselves. So we will worship entertainers. We will worship careers. We will worship degrees. We will worship money. We will worship other people, gosh, I wish I could be like that person. That's worshiping somebody else other than God. Rather than looking at God and letting him look back at you and you say, wow, you, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at how you made me. Or we worship ourselves. I mean, we're the selfie generation. I mean, it's me, 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 me. Right? And we put the best on Instagram, the best friends, the best food. I look the best. How come people don't put the worst stuff out there? How come we don't just... Take a picture of us when we're at our worst and post it out there. You see, we don't, we don't present the best. It's idolatry. We're worshiping perfectionism. That's an, that's an idol. Perfection is an idol. We'll worship anything. So let me say something so important. Listen to this. Being close to God protects us from idol worship. When we're not close to the Lord, we will absolutely gravitate and worship something. Our career. Our fame. Our accomplishments. The stars. Astronomy or astrology. Not astronomy. Astrology. We'll worship the stars. They tell me my destiny. The earth. Animism. We're going to worship something. Who's it going to be? And so they worship a cow. God gets really upset about it. Because they traded in their relationship with God. Many of us are doing that. And we want to come back today. 
In verse 7 in Exodus 33, so Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was when Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door, watched Moses until he had gone into the temple. And it came to pass when Moses entered the temple that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped each man at his tent door. This is it. Oh man. Verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face the Lord spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friend that word friend is the literal literal definition of that is someone that you are familiar with and he would return to the camp but Joshua the son of Nun a young man did not depart from the tabernacle he just wanted to be where the presence was And then Joshua ended up being courageous because of the presence of God. Then Moses tells God, you didn't tell, you don't, you you know, you're not going to go with us, man. It's not right. Please go with us. I don't just want your stuff. I want you. And that's the big message. I don't just want your stuff. I want you. Did you know you can get God's stuff without God? You can get the loaves and the fish. We can get his prosperity. We can get a lot of God's provision without his presence. In fact, he promised it to him right here. He said, I'll send my angel and give you the promised land, but I'm not going. And Moses said, no, I'm not good enough for me. Is that good enough for you? You know, I think for the most part, it's, it's good enough for most of us. We want God's provision. His presence, huh? I don't know. Kind of, it's kind of scary to begin with. And I don't know, it makes me uncomfortable. And I'm not really that interested in a friendship with God. I just want his stuff. I want his blessings. I want his protection. And guess what? You can get it. Because like my children, I'm a father. I'll provide for my kids whether they want to have a relationship with me or not. Right, moms and dads? Your kids have needs? I'll, I'll meet their needs because I'm their dad. But I want a relationship with them. And guess what? If they come to me for a relationship and not just stuff, they will get anything they want. And that's what happened right here. Look what happens. Moses says, I don't just want your stuff, God. I want you. And in verse 14, and he said, my presence. He didn't say, I will go with you. My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Now, this is a big point here, family of God. I'm going to close with this. We're going to receive communion now. Did you see? Let me put it this way. God said to them, I will give you all the stuff that you want. I'll send an angel and he'll provide for you. But I'm not going with you. When Moses said, if your, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not going up. I don't want prosperity without your presence. Wow. Gosh, no wonder that moved God's heart. Huh. I mean... Wives, how many of you want to be married to your husband when you know that he's only married to you because he has to be? So what did God say Moses was going to get because of God's presence? What did he just say? Rest. That means to settle, to be soothed, to be quieted, to be at peace. He's talking about soul peace. So in other words... If they went to the promised land without the presence, they would have prosperity but not have peace. 
boom. And I believe that's the condition of maybe many of us in this house. We want, 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 want from our Father God, but we don't have peace in the core of our being. Why not? What is that? What's missing? It's His presence. And then people flip it around and say, well, seek His face, not His hand. I'm like, no, I'm going to seek both. Thank you very much. I'm going to seek both. And, but I'm going to seek His face first. But guess what? If you seek His face, all you have to do is look down, not too far, and His hand's right there. You don't have to get one or the other. You can have both. Let's go for his face this morning. Will you stand with me this morning? Let's go for his face. Who wants to go for God's face with me? Who wants an increase of God's presence in our church and in our lives? Come on, people of God. Come on, sons and daughters of the King. Come on, children of the Most High. We can have it all. But let's start with His presence. Let's let joy swell in the heart of our God by saying, we are coming back to You. You called us. You're our Father. Forgive me for using You. Forgive me for just wanting Your stuff. I want You, God. lift his body together God we're coming back to our first love this morning and we're asking that your presence increase in our hearts and our lives in this place right now in this moment may your presence descend upon us as confirmation and affirmation that this message was from you and you're responding we unashamedly lift the body of your son we belong to Him, we're in covenant with Him. And we identify with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's eat the body of Christ together, family. And Lord, we lift the cup of blessing, the blood of Jesus. We bought this covenant. And right now is the moment of repentance. Right before we drink this cup together, I'm going to ask you to do this. And this is a sincere question. Only you can answer it. Only you can deal with it. But the Holy Spirit will empower you right now in this moment to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Just like this morning, God gives us these prophetic pictures. This morning, uh, Mary Poplava, who's here, who's one of the intercessors, she comes faithfully before church every Sunday to pray for you and to pray you have an encounter with God. And this morning she wakes up, she flips on the light in her closet, And there was a scorpion in her closet. And you know what intercessors interpret that to be, right? To an intercessor, that's not just a scorpion. That's a prophetic sign. As Jesus said, it'll tramp on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. You know what this this woman did? You know what Mary did? She saw that scorpion. She She didn't cry for her husband. Jim, Jim, or whoever. She grabbed a shoe and... She just killed the sucker right there in her closet. Yeah. And she came into me this morning, put her finger on my face, and said, I trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So right now, family of God, what is your serpent and scorpion? What is separating you, man and woman of God, from his presence? 
Is it sin? You have a friendship with some sin in your life and you just love it. You like it. You want it. Man, take that shoe. Pop! Kill that scorpion this morning. It's robbing you and God. Is it an inordinate fear of his presence? You know, in that passage we were just reading, Moses said, show me your glory. And God said, I will show you my goodness. You don't have to be afraid of him. He's good all the way through. Is it a relationship in your life that's not encouraging you in your walk with Christ? You just got to get rid of that. So I'm choosing Jesus all over again. Is it lukewarmness? Bring it to God. Bring your serpent and scorpion to God this morning. Bring whatever is separating you, guilt, shame over past sin. This blood right here can take care of that. So I'm going to give you a moment right now between you and yourself and the Lord. What is it that is competing? Facebook, entertainment, time wasters, what is, I don't know. Get along with him right now. What is, what is stopping you from walking into that tent and meeting like Moses and letting the presence of God come and talk to you face to face like a friend? Because he will do it. Let's get along with him for a moment. Discover what that is with the Holy Spirit and then trade it in for him and then we'll take we'll drink his blood together in just a moment is it self pity I just got that why me Lord unanswered prayer Creating frustration, disappointment, guilt. I mean, uh, anger. Trade it in. Come on. It's a new day. Trade it in. Whatever separating is a poor substitute for destiny. One of the intercessors today said she saw new coals fresh fire. You want to be a new coal? A fresh fire? I do. Lord Jesus, all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our fears are washed away by your blood. Renew us, Lord. As we drink your blood together this morning, Jesus, renew this place. Set us on fire. Increase your presence. Release your power. And we promise that we will take your presence to the thirsty and the needy and the hungry, which is your divine purpose. Let's drink his blood together. Now, thank you for dropping that. That reminded me. Please don't leave these cups in here. Because I get called by the vice principal and they get very upset. Take those out with you and put them in the trash on your way out. Please don't leave them in here. But right now, I'm going to call the prayer teams down. And Chris and Rachel brought the youth in and the teenagers are coming down there because they're going to be part of the prayer team. Because this next generation is going to learn how to pray for the sick and see God work miracles through them. If you want more of His presence, if you need physical healing in your body, 
I got a shoulder issue. I'm going to get it dealt with today. I'm going down there and getting prayed for. I've been calling to God for an increase of his miracles in our church, and I'm expecting them. If you need prayer, you come down front. These teenagers are coming down to pray for you. These prayer leaders are coming down to pray for you. If you want a baptism in the Holy Spirit, you need fresh fire. You don't have your prayer language. You need physical healing. You've never given your life to Jesus. You need your sins forgiven. Come down here as Josh sings this song. And let's let's let God be God in his house today. And then take the water with you, family of God.